morning, everyone. Before I begin, I'd just like to welcome our homecoming court and everybody here, the homecoming court members and their families, to come and join us for the celebration of the Mass. Please know that you're welcome here at any time. Also, any alumni who have come to this particular homecoming Mass in honor of, in, in honor of UL, in honor of school spirit, we'd also welcome you as well. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. It pierces the clouds. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. It pierces the clouds. That seems to be the the general thesis of today's set of readings. Our first reading, our our responsorial psalm, and our gospel especially. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. And that he has a special place in his heart for those who who long for him and those who seek him and those who are in need. I saw this very, very vividly whenever I went to jail in 2014 doing prison ministry. I was, I know, gotcha. I was, uh, had to, I, was, I love to introduce it that way, all right? It's always a, a good way to, to, to break the ice. Whenever I was there, I discovered a group of men who were longing for God. But what was interesting and what I loved about working with these prisoners is they knew they messed up. They knew they failed. They knew that they were at rock bottom and they had no other place to go other than the arms of their Heavenly Father. They had no other choice but to throw themselves onto His mercy. This is something, I'll be quite frank, I don't always see in the civilian world. I don't always see in the free world. It often happens, well, you know, Father, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I go to Mass, you know, I say my prayers, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right, you know, whatever. Without recognizing, no, you have $500, the prisoner has 50 but you need a trillion dollars to get to heaven. Yes, you're doing fine, but you need more than what you've got if you're going to get to heaven. You need the love of God. You need the mercy of God. You need his grace. You need his heart, which is why only those who are truly poor can truly speak to God. Because only those who are poor are authentic with their hearts. What God is here speaking and talking about in today's gospel is that heart speaks to heart. But if we're honest, it's scary to share our hearts. It's scary to be vulnerable. It's scary, to be honest, because if we're vulnerable, that means we're opening ourselves up to being hurt. And if we're being vulnerable and we think we can't get hurt, then guess what? You're not actually being vulnerable. That's, the, that's not the definition of vulnerability. To, to be vulnerable is to open yourself up and to open your heart up and to be open to the possibility that your heart might be broken. And that's hard to do. That's not fun to do. What's more fun and, and easier is to rather be more clammed up to ourselves, only showing our, our strengths, only showing what we're capable of, only showing that we have it all together, just like the Pharisee in today's gospel. Here, going in front of the sanctuary of his synagogue, the sanctuary of the temple, and praying to God, thanking him for all that he's got, these, the tithing he does, the fasting that he does, and thanking him. For not being like that tax collector in the background. Thanking him for that. And the scary part is, we can often look like that. 
we can often be going, especially, especially as Catholics, we can often be going before the Lord and being like, hey, look, I'm going to Mass every Sunday, doing pretty well. I'm paying my tithe, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I, 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 I'm a, a good husband, I'm a good mother, I'm a, I'm, a good, I'm, a, I'm a good child, I'm a good son, I'm a good daughter, I'm, I'm a good, you know? I'm justified. Thank you for not making me like those people, whoever those people we might have in mind. And the reality is, is in the, this world, that, that, that's easy to do. We can very much easily be like this Pharisee. The thing is about this Pharisee that makes it tricky is that the Pharisee is actually kind of justified. He's kind of justified in, in, in despising this tax collector because tax collectors back then were not like the IRS of today. Well, they kind of were like the IRS of today, but they're not, they were not like, they were not nearly as institutionalized. You couldn't sue a tax collector for taking too much, too much money. If he took your money, that was that. You really had no argument. Your argument would have to go to Rome, and they really wouldn't care what you had to say because they were better than you. And that's how tax collectors were. They were crooked men who would often charge you more than you were actually being taxed and take the difference, the, and give, the, give what, was, what was due to Rome and take the rest for themselves. And they were, in general, a very, very despised crew of people because they were usually thieves. Now, what's interesting is this can happen to us, is we can often see people that do unworthy acts and have the same kind of righteous attitude toward them. But I want to tell a little bit of a story to kind of show how that attitude, even that attitude, even though we might seem to be justified, is mistaken. There once was a seminarian who was, ta- who was hiking down the Camino, the Camino del Santiago. Now, for those who know about the Camino, the Camino is a large, very, very long trail going from France to the western side of Spain. And what it is, it's a very popular medieval pilgrimage site. Where, where people would walk and journey this very, very long journey through the Pyrenees Mountains into the, 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 the Compostela de Santiago, that is the, the, the St. James Church, the church where St. James was believed to have been buried. And it's a, just a great opportunity to connect with the Lord. Well, these days it's become more popular, but it's not as much of a pilgrimage site. It's a little bit more like a tourist experience. Well, this seminarian was walking along this, this journey, and what he was doing is he was doing the best he could to do it right. He was doing everything he could to really, really make it a pilgrimage. So he was going to Mass every day. He was making his holy hours. He was taking advantage of all the shrines that were there. He was getting on his knees. He was praying. He was doing the very best he could to make this pilgrimage a true, honest pilgrimage. But as he was making this journey, he was beginning to look at all of the other pilgrims that were, that were walking, and he was beginning to despise them because they were not praying at every shrine. They weren't going to Mass. They weren't even really, they weren't really caring about the whole spiritual experience. They weren't even praying at all. And he grew very, very bitter toward these people and began to wonder, like, why am I the only pilgrim on this journey? Why am I the only one who seems to be taking this seriously? Why am I the only one who actually desires holiness whenever everybody else is on this journey claiming to, but not acting in that at all? Any of you guys ever had that feeling? Maybe in your families? Maybe in the people around you? Why am I the only one? And so what does he do? He goes to confession to a Benedictine monk 
who's lives in a monastery, who's at a monastery along the way of the of the journey, and who spoke English. And he was confessing this to him. And he said, Look, Father, I feel terrible. I'm judging all these people and I don't want to. Alright, I want to love them, but my goodness, they're driving me nuts. Alright? They're not praying, they don't care, and I'm trying to make the most of this. And the Benedictine monk uttered a piece of wisdom that I want you all to hear and meditate on. He said, I've been a priest, a monk, along the the Camino del Santiago for 20 years. And I've noticed that there's two different types of pilgrims here on the Camino. The first type are the people like you. Those people who travel knowing that they walk with God. The second type are those people who travel not knowing that God walks with them. Those people who travel not knowing that God walks with them, waiting for them, ready for them at a moment's notice to answer their prayers. And that, to me, is exactly what this Pharisee needs to hear this time in this parable. The reality was, for that seminarian, after he heard that, the trip changed. He started meeting all these non-believers. He started having great conversation with them. And he began to actually open up to them. He began to be vulnerable. And he began to actually see some fruits and some conversions. Instead of standing there and looking at his fellow man and, and condemning them and judging them and beating them up in his head, he actually began to be vulnerable with them. Because he knew even God was walking along this journey with them. Even God was there. And even God cared for them very, very deeply. Because at that moment, what that seminarian did was he saw God for who he actually was. As a father who refuses to abandon his children. As a father who refuses to abandon his children, even whenever his children have turned their backs on him. And that is something the Pharisee failed to see. You see, the Pharisee, like many of us, looked upon God not as father. But ironically, he was looking upon God as a tax collector. He was looking at God and saying, you know what? Here you go, Lord. I'll fast twice a week. Here you go. I'll give you my tithe. Here you go. I'll pray whenever I'm called to pray. Here you go. You take this, you bless me, and we're good to go. We'll call it even. He treated God like a tax collector, very much like the way we often treat the government today. Here's your money. Stay out of my life. Leave me alone. All right. You can give me some services that I like every now and again, but I don't want anything to do with you. How often do we have that same attitude toward God? And how often does that create this scary, scary thing that we see in today's gospel? The Pharisee, if you look, is not praying to God. He's praying to himself. He doesn't care about the Lord. He doesn't see him as father. He doesn't see him as significant. He sees them as a burden. And because of that, he wants God gone, which is why he cannot actually communicate to the Lord, which is why the Lord does not hear his prayer. Why? Because the Pharisee is rich. But the tax collector in today's gospel is poor. What does the tax collector say? 
He stood off at a distance, recognizing his weakness, recognizing his failures. And what does he say? He doesn't even look into the face of God. He doesn't even look up. He averts his eyes. He looks down. He says, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He recognizes his weakness. He recognizes he does not deserve to be there. He recognizes that he can't pay God off, that everything he has was a gift, and everything he will receive is a gift from here on out. He recognizes that God is not a tax collector like himself, but God is like a father. And so, my dear friends, I encourage you to have that same recognition. That recognition that the Lord is not here to, to rule over you and to take what you love and take your joy and take your time and take your friends just so you can maybe have a blessed life. But the Lord is here accompanying you on your walk, on your Camino, whether you know it or not, willing and ready to hear your prayers, willing and ready to show you mercy. But the trick is to remember that you and I are not rich. We're poor. We need the Lord for everything. We need him for grace. We need him for blessings. We need him for heaven. And only with that attitude will we ever be able to be true Christians. Will we ever be able to truly pray? And will our prayers ever pierce the clouds, like it says in today's readings?